We're talking about sacrifice this morning in our selfless series. And like Christ, the benefit of sacrifice is not in the act itself, but in the willingness to do so. The value of sacrifice is not in the act itself, but the willingness to do so. And as we come to our passage this morning, we are going to see the fact that Jesus Christ willingly sacrificed himself for our sins. Now, Don and I were watching a movie last night, and I will refrain from giving you the title because in case you want to see it, I don't want to spoil it for you because if you know what I'm talking about, there's nothing more frustrating than someone spoiling the end of a movie for you that you were planning on seeing. It's like you're talking with your friends and you say, Oh, I'm going to go see so-and-so. Oh, really? Well, everybody dies in the end. Well, never mind. I don't want to see it anymore. But in this movie, there is a theme that is played over and over again in so many movies. The ending consisted of the main character sacrificing himself for those he loved by laying his life down so that others may live. As I said a moment ago, I cannot count the number of movies that have that type of theme. Got noise up here. Sorry about that. All the pills on the fritz today, so we're making do. But what we see here is that in this theme, is that it is in so many movies. And the thing is, why is that? Why do we associate ourselves with, I mean, if you've ever watched a movie and you see someone sacrificing their lives for someone they love, it's tear-jerking, is it not? That's just, God wired us this way. Even if you take the staunchest atheist, or even a person who just does not believe in God, when they see someone giving that type of sacrifice, it is touching. And why is that? It's because sacrifice sells. Hollywood has found that out. Is that in the movies, if you, can, if you are paying to see someone have a happily ever after ending, then you want to show someone who gives their life, but then in the end doesn't die. Because that makes it all sweet and better. But those of us that are Christians, we know where that pattern came from, don't we? We know where that longing is based out of. Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it this way. It says that God has put eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? That means God has wired us for heaven. And you can accept that. You can reject it. You can embrace it or you can fight it. But God has put something in our lives that is drawn to the fact that someone else would sacrifice for us. And what greater act of love is there, folks? What greater act of love is there than someone that would lay down their life for someone else? Well, I'll take Jesus' word for it in John fifteen thirteen, where it says, There is no love greater than that. 
The greatest love that we can show, the greatest love that we can attain, the greatest love that can be a part of our lives, is that is a love that is sacrificial. Now, the idea of sacrifice plays out like this. No one initially wants to sacrifice anything of themselves, but they sure do enjoy and appreciate the sacrifice of others. For example, there was a mother who was preparing pancakes for her sons. Johnny was five and Mikey was three. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Well, their mother, they saw an opportunity to teach them a moral lesson. And she says, well, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Johnny turned to his younger brother and said, Mikey, you be Jesus. So... He was saying, you go ahead and sacrifice, I'm going to take the pancake. But in this series, we are learning a few things. Number one, Jesus Christ sacrificed his throne. He sacrificed his rightful place at the right hand of God, his Father in heaven. He left his throne. He left his glory to walk among this earth in a suit called flesh that confined him. Listen, he was 100% God, but understand, he was a 100% human. If you woke up this morning with that familiar pain in your knee or in your back or in your elbow or wherever it might be, I want you to know Jesus knows that. Jesus knows pain. Jesus knows heartbreak. Jesus knows love. And Jesus sacrificed his throne, his glory. Why did he do that? So that His life, He sacrificed it so that we may gain eternal life. Folks, there is a gap between us and God that is so deep and so dark and so deadly. It is called sin. And sin leads to death. And that gap cannot be traveled by anything other than the bridge Jesus Christ formed when He gave His life for us. Jesus plainly states that if we are going to follow Him, and if we're going to be like Him, oh yeah, preacher, I'm a Christian. You know what the word Christian means, right? It means little Christs. It was a derogatory term people would use for the followers of Christ. Oh, look at those little Christs. And what they meant to be derogatory and demeaning has become a badge of honor for those who serve the Lord and follow Him. And are his disciples. But if we are going to be like Jesus, that doesn't mean just the glory and the kingdom and all of the great miracles and accolades that he received. It also means we get a part of his suffering. We play a part of his sacrifice. We play a part of the fact that people are not always going to like or appreciate us. Jesus plainly states that if we are to be Like Him, we must, and here's this word, sorry, sacrifice ourselves for the benefit of others. How many times? Once a week on Sunday? Oh, no. How about every month? How about twice a year? Christmas and Easter? No. Daily. Daily we are to sacrifice to follow Him. So I have a question for you to think about as we continue in this message this morning. How would it benefit my life today if I lived self 
selflessly rather than selfishly. I want you to imagine a throne in your heart. And I want you to imagine whatever or whoever is on that throne has complete control of your life. If you were to be honest with yourself, who is in that throne? Is it you? Are you sitting on that throne? Or is Jesus Christ sitting on that throne? Well, preacher, we're in church and it's Sunday. Of course it's Jesus. It's not a daily question. It's an ultimate question. Who do you default to? Who is the main person in your life? Is it yourself or is it Jesus Christ? Well, that's something only you can answer. But as we jump into the Scriptures, the first thing that we see this morning is that we gain life by giving it away. We gain life by giving it away. This is another one of those passages in Scripture that the opposites are true. Like, you know, when the Bible says those that are wise will be fools and those that are fools will be wise. Those who are rich will be poor and those who are poor will be rich. Those that who are the last will be first and the first will be last. I mean, that, there's a theme there. You get that, right? And so, as we come to this passage, let's read verses 20 through 26. Now, some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew and Philip, and they told Jesus that the Greeks wanted to see him. In verse 22, Philip went and told Andrew that Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, This hour has come for the Son of man to be glorified. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it. We'll talk about that in just a quick moment. But as we look at this passage, the first thing we see is that it says, now some Greeks were among those. They were at the festival of the Passover. We talked last week about how Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and they were waving palm branches and they were singing Hosanna and they were glorifying God and it was really a celebration for their coming King. But when it says that there were some Greeks there, there was a profound principle even in those few words. Here's the thing. is that Philip was Jewish, but... He had a Greek name. So it was very likely that these Greeks went to Philip because they felt a connection. They felt more comfortable with him. But the significance of this is is that these Greeks were very likely followers, disciples, and people that wanted to see Jesus. This wasn't someone that was trying to to try Jesus or to trap Jesus. They were truly followers followers of Jesus, and they were not Jewish. They were Greek. I want you to understand something. Is that the significance of the Greeks means that we must remember that everyone whom Jesus impacts and has a desire to have fellowship with God will receive that. It doesn't matter color, race, creed, country, whatever it may be. If people want to follow Jesus, Jesus says, come. Come. 
Listen, I hate to tell you this, but the blood of Jesus Christ was not just sacrificed for the white middle class America. It it was even sacrificed for the Jews. It was sacrificed for the Gentiles. It was sacrificed for ISIS. It was sacrificed for all those who were sinners. The blood of Jesus Christ knows no race, knows no color. And everyone benefits from Jesus Christ. His sacrifice benefited everybody. There is nothing worse than being in when you're a kid and the ice cream truck comes and you go up to the ice cream truck and you want that push-up. Oh man, got to have that push-up. And you get there and the friend in front of you got the last one. Not fair, is it? Listen, there, Jesus doesn't run out. There's plenty for everybody. And also we see that beauty is found in sacrifice. In verses 23 through 25. Let's look at 25 for a moment. He says, The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it. Folks, grace is costly. Grace is costly. I can remember, and and I've told you many times about my parents, but I'll just say that when I was a teenager and we moved to Spartanburg because my dad got transferred, and he took a job. He went from driving trucks to being the guy that loaded the truck, drove the truck, and unloaded the truck. My mom took a job. They sacrificed so that I could be here today. Some of you are sitting in these pews today because your parents, your grandparents, and those before them sacrificed so that you could have a leg up. So that you could have a better day. So you know the benefits of sacrifice. Well, speaking of sacrifice, there's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor from Germany. He was a theologian. And he was an anti-Nazi dissident who was arrested and executed at the ripe old age of 39. He was executed for his beliefs. He died in a German concentration camp just two weeks before the Allied forces would come in and rescue everyone in those concentration camps. But his writings on sacrifice and on and, and writing this in the midst of all these letters in prison, they are just profound when it talks about the Gospel. And I want to share with you four thoughts that he wrote about costly grace. You see, costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again. And the gift that we ask for. But yet, when the door, we must knock on the door and receive that. It's costly. What Jesus did on the cross had a cost. Folks, while you were stuck in your sin and bound for hell, with no ability to escape, Jesus gave His life for you. And you think, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, I'm in church, I'm supposed to hear that. Okay, move on, preacher. But don't let the magnitude of that slip by you today. Whether you are 15 or 50 or 105, Jesus Christ died for you and me. 
but that was costly. Number one, we see that costly grace is costly because it cost a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man only true life. To become a Christian, we lose ourselves. We lose death. But we gain Jesus Christ. And we gain eternal life. The second thing he says is that costly grace is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Now I'm sure there is no one in here today that wants to admit that they are a sinner or to be told that they are wrong. Do I like to be told I'm wrong? Absolutely not. I'm sure you don't either. That is because we are too self-centered too self-centered to admit that we need God. And as horrible as God's condemnation of sin is, His grace is that much greater. Yes, God condemns sin. God does not tolerate sin. God cannot look at sin. But it is because of that nastiness, because of that awfulness, that He sent His Son, and through His grace... We can be forgiven of that sin. It is also costly because it costs God the life of His own Son. As the Bible says, you you were bought with a price. And what has cost God so much cannot be cheap for us. It breaks my heart to see people make fun of or to discount or to write off the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Even to the point to where, when He was on the cross, the Roman centurions are gambling for His clothes. They make a crown of thorns as a mockery of the King that He said He was. People spit on Him, yelling, Crucify! It cost Him so much. Costly grace is grace because God did not reckon His Son too dear a price to pay for our lives. But He delivered Him up for us. Folks, costly grace is the incarnation of God. What does that mean? Costly grace is the incarnation of God. That means if you are a believer today, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, it cost God His Son's life. That's the upside of sacrifice. We are the beneficiaries of the cost to which God and Jesus paid. And you might say, well, He went back to God, so it wasn't that big deal. I mean, God knew what was going to happen all the time anyway. He knew that His Son was going to have to go through this, but yet He knew that everything would be okay in the end. Tell that to a father watching their son struggle between life and and death. The key word today is bullying. This world does not know bullying as compared to the way Jesus Christ was treated according to scriptures. Imagine being God's not wanting to just jump in and wreck everybody because they're taking such a terrible attitude towards his son's sacrifice. Folks, do not Let the weight of Christ's sacrifice sit lightly upon your hearts today.
Because it is, it is that very weight that screams of God's love for you. And screams of God's grace. In verse 24, he says, I assure you. When Jesus says, I assure you, you know what that means? You can take this to the bank. The same mouth that says, I assure you, is also the same words that spoke to Lazarus saying, come out. It's the same mouth that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was the same mouth that told the disciples, follow me. The point here is that if Jesus said it, you can trust it. Amen? And why would he use this, the parable or the illustration of the grain of wheat? Is because like a seed must be planted for grain, a wheat to grow, a seed must die so that the, the grain can grow, right? Folks, the only way we had eternal life is because Jesus had to die to offer that. If He had not died, we have been done for. Never lose sight of the fact that Jesus loves you and died for you. And in verse 25, I want to say just one quick thing about this. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. When he writes this, I want you to understand this does not mean that we need to hate ourselves. This does not mean that we need to hate our life. This does not mean that we need to hate the people that are in it. The type of love and hate he's talking about here is not necessarily an emotional relationship kind of thing, but what it's talking about here is, is so much bigger than that. For example, we see that People who love themselves, they are ruled with selfishness. They are ruled by their own desires. They love themselves a little too much. That's the type of love he's talking about. He's talking about those who love their things, their way, as opposed to what God's Word says, you are loving yourself a little too much. But to hate this world, to hate this world means that when the world offers its best counterfeit to what God calls us to for holy living, that means that when we see that, we hate it so much. And remember I told you about that throne in your heart? That means you love God so much that you don't take this junk and put on the throne of your heart. If there are so, The reason that we have so many great churches that are having huge attendance or even attendance like ours, but there's no difference in the world, is because we come in on Sunday morning and we love God, but the rest of the week we love the world. We're not sacrificing. We're not following as Jesus did. Well, how can we hate ourselves correctly? That sounds like a weird phrase, but how are we to hate? Folks, if we truly hate the things in our lives that pull us away from our walk with Christ, we will hate them enough to get rid of them. The Bible calls that repentance. To repent. What does repent mean? Repent doesn't mean saying I'm sorry to God and doing it again. The action of repent means to turn. For example, if you're going down the road and someone you're riding with tells you to turn, what do they want you to do? They want you to change direction. And that's what God wants us to do as well. 
But also we see that our sacrifice, when we sacrifice our will to Jesus, He does the heavy lifting. Starting in verse 34, He says, Then the crowd replied to Him, We have heard from the Scripture that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer while you have the light so that the darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Jesus said this and then went away and hid from them. (laughs) Jesus played hide and seek with them. I think this is awesome because you see the crowd is replying, if you say you're the Messiah, what do you mean that you have to die? What do you mean that you're going away? Because their expectation and the Jews are still waiting for Jesus Christ to be the Messiah, or actually not Jesus Christ, they're waiting for the Messiah to be this, this earthly reigning king that will be here forever. That's why they reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah, among, I'm sure, there are many other reasons. But as we read this, we see that it is very important to note that Jesus Christ must be lifted up. Jesus Christ must die. And also, we see here that when is the time for sacrifice? If there's an upside for sacrificing, and if that means that Jesus does the heavy lifting, because Jesus says, if you lift me up, I will draw all men unto myself. And if you hear me talking, I'm talking for my Father. So not only did Jesus give an example of sacrifice, not only does Jesus give us the power in the midst of our sacrifice, now we see when is it time to sacrifice. And folks, the time to sacrifice is today. If you look at your watch, I'll go ahead and give you permission, look at your watch. Like you needed that. I see that brother in the back. Want to get that good table at your restaurant. I understand. As you look at your watch, whatever time it says, that's the time for sacrifice to begin in your life today. John 12, 44-48, put it this way. Jesus is summarizing His message. He says, Then Jesus cried out, Folks, when it says Jesus cried out, he wasn't boo-hooing. This wasn't ooh-hoo-hoo-hoo. That was not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was begging and pleading. Much like if you were to see a loved one about to drive off a bridge that was not complete. And you would cry and you would scream and you would do whatever you could to get them to understand your message. Jesus cried out and He says, The one who believes in Me, or believes not in Me, but in Him who sent Me. And the one who sees Me, sees Him who sent Me. I have come as a light to the world, so that everyone who believes in Me would not remain in darkness. If anyone, there that word is, if anyone hears My words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Let me just put a little, put your finger there, or pause, whatever you got to do. 
I want you to understand when he says that, Jesus was talking about when he came to this world pre-resurrection. Okay? Pre-resurrection. There's a big difference. This passage is not saying that God or Jesus will not judge us. There will be a judgment. But the reason He came, the reason He walked on this earth, the reason that through the Holy Spirit writers were inspired to read the Word of God was not so that we would be judged, but so that we would repent and receive eternal life. But verse 48 says, The one who rejects Me and doesn't accept My sayings has this as his judge. In other words, these words that I'm saying, this Scripture will either save your life or they'll judge you. And it says, The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day, for I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command as what I should say and what I should speak. I know that his command is eternal life, so the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Folks, we see here, Jesus changed things. Remember, <laughs> I cannot be any clearer. I, I wish I could open your heads and, and pour into you and open your hearts and pour into you the passion to which Jesus is saying this. Because folks, it's game time. In just a few short days, Jesus will give His life on the cross for you and for me. And He changed the balance of power. It was once in how many laws you could keep, and now it has nothing to do with the laws you can keep, but what you do with Jesus Christ. He changed things. He was pleading with them. And I love how verse 46 shows us, John was great in using the illustration of light and dark. And believing in Jesus scatters the darkness in your life. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, which many of you in here have done and have been Christians for years, but, and there might be someone in here that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. But I'm telling you what, if your life is dark, if you've lost your way, if you're not spending time in the Scriptures, your vision for the future is cloudy, and right now all you can do is think about yourselves, you're not sacrificing. And you're not living in the benefit of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. With Jesus Christ on that throne of your life, you can think with clear purpose. You can love like Jesus loves. You can forgive as Jesus has forgiven you. And much like a person that has been blind their whole life, you can begin to see the light for the first time. Jesus illustrated this through healing a blind beggar. So folks, stop walking in darkness today. Make the decision today to stop that. Because judgment is coming. The time to begin sacrificing is now. Sacrifice your life to Jesus Christ today. At the time of Jesus' death, impending death, He was trying to get them to seek the truth rather than a lie. And folks, when Jesus returns, His people will be judged by what they did or did not do with His life. 
I think in closing, I want to tell you about David Livingston. He was a Scottish Congregationalist pioneer medical missionary with London Missionary Society, and he was an explorer of Africa back in the 1800s. People talk to the sacrifice that I have made in spending so many of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply acknowledging a great debt to owe our God which we can never repay? So here he is talking about serving in Africa, and he's saying that why are you calling it sacrifice when I'm just doing repaying a debt that Jesus Christ already paid? He emphatically said that he was not sacrificing, but that he was living a privilege. Folks, walking with Jesus Christ today is a privilege. Being able to sacrifice for the benefit of others is a privilege. And know today that if you are not a Christian, Jesus Christ has sacrificed for you to have eternal life with Him. There's nothing you did to deserve it. There's nothing you could do to attain it. But it is a gift for you to accept. And for the many Christians that are here today that maybe are wanting some strength or maybe wanting some some motivation. Folks, the time to sacrifice is today and to get our messages and to get our minds off of ourselves and to get it back on Christ where it belongs. Because I truly believe that if our minds are on what Christ wants us to do, the world will not be able to stop us. Amen. God, thank You for this message. Thank You for these that are here this morning. And it is my prayer The Lord, if there's someone who doesn't know you and has taken your sacrifice for granted, that they would accept you today. They can come forward. I can pray with them. And we can lead them in a new life in you. Maybe there's a Christian that just needs strength. Maybe there's someone in here that's been struggling with a decision. And you need to answer it for them today that sacrifice is the answer. Lord, however you may want to work, if someone wants to come forward to pray or join the church. Lord, this invitation is for you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.